No fear. No political correctness. No wokeism. You're listening to Underground USA. Thanks for listening and downloading. My name is Frank Salvato. Before we get into this morning's segment on the Captain's America Third Watch with Matt Bruce, I want to say a few words about what can only be seen as the preeminent national disgrace and his actions on the 22nd commemoration of the September 11th, 2001 attacks. Joe Biden, President Potato Brain, and this cannot be repeated enough, is the first sitting president to snub 9-11 ceremonies at any of the attack sites. Oh sure, he took a few minutes out of his nap time to read the words loaded into the teleprompter on the subject, but those words were both manufactured by a speechwriter and disingenuous. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been delivered from Alaska, equivalent to about as far away from the attack sites as you can be. Then to add insult to injury, Biden lied about being at Ground Zero on September 12, 2001. That he can lie bald-faced to the American people and the attack victims' survivors with such ease should put him in the category of scum of the earth. Then, to triple down on the insults, Biden and his puppet masters released billions of dollars on September 11th to the number one state sponsor of terrorism in the world, Iran. I won't even go into the horrifying retreat from Afghanistan that he and his intellectually stunted mouthpieces, all opportunistic whores in my book, called a major success. The only success there was successfully handing the country over to the Taliban and arming them with billions of dollars of A-grade American military equipment. If you voted for this opportunistic piece of shit, this national disgrace, you must take a look at yourself, what you believe in, and why you vote for people. If you're simply voting for the letter behind the name, the D or the R, just because of the D or the R, then you are a major part of the problem. Let me say that again. You are part of the problem. President Washington warned of the evils of political factions taking complete control of the federal government in his farewell address. Today, we are reaping what we have sown through our arrogant, self-centered, and self-absorbed abdication of our primary responsibility as citizens, the oversight of our government. We have allowed the greedy, opportunistic, and power-hungry to wrestle control of government away from the people, and our country is dying for the lack of that oversight. For the love of God, people, research your candidates, what they stand for, who is financing them, what their actions prove they really stand for, and only then cast your ballot. This is true for voters from both sides of the aisle. We were never supposed to be subjugated to the will of political parties. In my opinion, they are akin to the labor unions. They served their purpose in their day, but have become greedy, self-important, and obsolete for today's purposes. If they disappeared, 
the American people would be so much better off. Joe the Potato Biden, Chuck Schumer, Mitch the Turtle McConnell, Nancy Smirnoff Pelosi, and the Squad Fetterman, they are all proof positive that politics over government has completely failed the American people. To save the republic, this must change. Right now, this morning's segment on the Captain's America Third Watch. Well, Frank, I got a couple of questions here. First of all, from Fred down in Fort Lauderdale. Good morning, Fred. Fred says, I was listening to Professor Emeritus Dershowitz. He uh, thinks that this case will not go to trial and Hunter will be given a plea deal and will admit guilt and will be given probation. He'll have a conviction on his record. Same goes for the tax charges. Didn't one of his rich donor friends give the IRS $5 million to take care of the omission? He'll be fined. IRS is all about money. Oh, yeah. They, uh, no question about it that the IRS is all about money. That's their that's their bread and butter, so to speak. But whether somebody paid it off or not, it doesn't satisfy the gun charges. And I've got a little bit of a different take on this. I say he goes to court because this kind of impedes the impeachment talk that's happening in the House and shoved it right to the back page. Mm -hmm. Uh, And even Comer said this, too. It's it's taken the air out of the wind. Um, There's five Republicans who don't even want to entertain the idea. And and now it's off the front pages of the momentum is falling because of this this Hunter Biden indictment on the gun charges. I say they drag it out all the way up to the, the meat of the election season and he gets convicted. But Joe Biden steps down from running before then and provides a pardon for his son and the Bidens get away with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is all about the money for these people. Mm -hmm. And they've already, they've already grafted enough. So we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars Mm -hmm. over the, over this guy's lifetime. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I see that scenario playing out. The plea deal would fall just like the other ones because the people don't want it. Mm-hmm. The people have pretty much had enough, and as much as the mainstream media is running interference mm-hmm. for them, I, I don't think they're going to achieve it. Now, I got a question from Lenny in the Trump bus up in Atlanta listening to us right now. Good morning, Lenny. He's saying, do you think NATO is paying what they agreed to to help the Ukraine? They did when Trump was the boss. Oh, hell no. Of course they're not. Mm-hmm. Because who's the number one funder of NATO? Us. Yeah, we are. So, you know, if NATO's paying its fair share, that means we're we're being double taxed on this. So, no, they're not paying their fair share, but we'll never know because there's never going to be a credible audit of what the Ukrainians use the money for. Mm-hmm. As much as everybody wants to throw the flag up on their on their social media profiles and have the bumper stickers on their car, we're still talking about one of the most corrupt governments on the face of the planet. They achieve largesse off their people. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been an administration over there that hasn't that hasn't grifted off their people. That's how the oligarchs get money over there, plus juicing the resources from that country. Mm-hmm. But it's a corrupt country. So how are we ever going to know how the cash that was sent over there was spent? We're not. All right, hold that thought, and Kyle, you hang on there, and folks, we'll be right back with more here on the Captain's America Third Watch. Don't go anywhere. It's a Friday morning, Friday, 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 and I'll be right back with Frank Silvato, UndergroundUSA.com. And don't forget to check out his book, 
nullification over there on the website. Be right back. You're in the right spot for tomorrow's news tonight and breaking news as it happens with retired New York Fire Rescue Captain and World Trade Center attack survivor Matt Bruce right here on the Captain's America Third Watch. Handcrafted exotic blend teas at the lowest shipping cost anywhere. Hi, I'm CJ, owner of the Emerald Coast Tea Company. We ship our premium gourmet blends with Sindel, offering you the lowest shipping prices anywhere, while also being carbon neutral. Excellent tea at the right price. Check us out at www.emeraldcoastteacompany.com. Honey, this ain't your mama's tea. Who helped cause soaring gas prices? BlackRock. Who contributed to outrageous housing prices? BlackRock. BlackRock and Larry Fink spent years harassing oil and gas companies, making them divest from fossil fuels. Now you feel the pain. And BlackRock-owned companies are snatching up houses, crippling families. Now BlackRock's former ESG czar, Brian Deese, is Biden's economic advisor, crushing America from within. That's what BlackRock is really about. News, insight, passion. AM 930, The Answer. Frank Silvato from Underground USA and the book Nullification. And the book is moving along pretty good, I do believe. I've still got a few left, so if people want some from me down here, we've got them that, that way too, right? Yeah, and uh, I'm glad they're moving. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's getting momentum, and I've got a few people uh, who've actually done what I'm asking them to do, which is to read it and uh, then write a letter introducing it and sending it on to responsible, yep. constitution-loving state legislators as mm-hmm. a blueprint to how to get back to good. Yep. Now, Kyle, I know you got some questions for Frank, so take it away. Well, good morning, Frank, and uh, we're going to uh, start with some domestic politics here. Uh, we've got a report uh, that uh, Ron DeSantis, Governor DeSantis, is now saying that Trump's chances of being elected if he's convicted on something is, and I quote, is as close to zero as you can get, unquote. Do you think that this is the case or, you know, how much of a deal breaker would this be? And could Trump simply argue that this is the natural outcome from a political prosecution? Of course, that's the, that is the issue. People are recognizing it as, as a, as a political prosecution. So I don't, necessarily agree with Governor DeSantis, but you you have to expect him to say that because it's the political season. These are two people who are running in a primary, and, and DeSantis must, by obligation, as somebody who's in the contest, paint the worst picture for Trump as possible. I don't even think he believes that, because when you look at the base and how it grows every time the federal government or or the left comes after him legally, it doesn't support that accusation. You know, if we, if we continue to go and, and there is a conviction, if Donald Trump is convicted in, in the Atlanta, the Georgia thing, by trend, he, he's going to become more popular because the people don't like bullies. So I think DeSantis is throwing that possibility out there, but I don't even think that he believes that the chances are zero. 
No, I, I agree. I think he's saying it because he's trying to bolster his his campaign at this point and then try to go after Trump. Well, turning international here, we've got a, um, I guess, is being described as a cheerleader for Vladimir Putin. He's a talk show host in Russia, and he's saying that Russia should make attacks on the U.S., the U.K., Poland, and Germany because of their material support, military support for Ukraine. Uh, are these trial balloons or or do you really think that this is Putin wants to expand this war in some way? No, I mean, I think Putin kind of wants to keep the war going until he can actually whittle away at the Ukrainian resources. But he knows that if he can't roll over Ukraine the way that he wanted to at the very beginning, starting to target countries like the United States and NATO nations is a huge thing to bite off. So while this this DJ or whatever he is over there is is rah rah buying for Vladimir Putin and and the country of Russia. I think it's more for morale than anything else because it's a it is a stunted intellect that thinks that when you're not winning to a high degree in a conflict that you should add more people to fight uh, onto the other balance. It just doesn't make any sense. But you know if he's doing it for ratings. I'm, I'm sure the people who are supportive of Vladimir Putin think that he's right, and, and he's getting people calling into his show. But as far as a, a war tactic and a strategy is concerned, he shouldn't be trying to get into military leadership over in Russia. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, and sort of turning back to domestic politics, you know, I I suppose they've announced where the next debate will be for the Republicans. But, you know, who's going to be in and who's going to be out? I don't it, this this campaign is unable to sustain many candidates, it seems at this point. Nobody's really getting traction. No. And one of the one of the reasons why nobody's getting traction yet is we started silly season a year too early. You know, it was almost almost a second after the election the campaign started, and that's the American people don't have an appetite for that. They need a rest from that kind of stuff for a while. Now Obama did this for his second term. The campaign started almost immediately, and he made shifts in his team, and he kept going. But he got to do that because of how Democrats do their politics. Republicans don't do politics for personal opportunism. At least most of them don't. And when it comes to the presidential level, with with the message that Republicans always shop, and they should, less government, less taxes, this, you know, on and on and on, the typical platform for Republicans, you can't come up with new ways to tax and, and invent government invention when you're running on a platform of government restraint. So it tends to drone on and drone on. It's not advantageous for Republicans to do that for four years. Once, once Republican voters get the idea of what you're doing, they've got the idea of what you're doing. We, we have a, a lesser population of lemmings on the right side of the aisle when it comes to intellectual understanding of the political issue. We don't throw on masks for no reason, just a virtue signal. So running a four-year campaign, it just drones on. And these debates, first off, it's a canard to call them debates. Nobody's debating. If you go to a high school debate, you, you get more of a debate format than you do listening to any political debate that's televised today. Today, it's a, it's a media inquisition rather than, any, than, a, than a true debate. 
I would much rather see each of the candidates get an hour and so they could talk about their platforms night after night after night and then be done with it. Because the name-calling dog and pony show that comes out every every four years for the Republicans, nobody learns a damn thing. So I don't think the field will expand. I think you're going to start seeing people, after they've they've raised the money that they can for the pack that they want to use for influence after the election, they'll start to drop out. But the debates mean nothing unless all the major contenders are standing on the stage. And Trump has already told them he's not attending any of them. So what do they achieve? Indeed. The UAW has chose to go on strike, and they've got three factories that are out on strike this week. And if they're out next week, there'll be three other factories that'll be on uh, strike. And this is all on top of the gasoline prices going out of sight right now. Uh, Oil, crude oil, is at $94 a barrel for Brent crude. And for the um, West Texas crude, it's at $91 a barrel, first time that both of those have been above $90 a barrel. The, the Biden administration is is all in on making sure that they can cripple the fossil fuel industry because their donors aren't that demographic. Mm-hmm. They need to make sure that they tip the scales, put their thumb on the scale, the heavy thumb of government to make sure that their cronies on the, who are pushing EVs I'm not saying every EV buyer. I'm not saying everybody on on every board of every EV company is is a far left megalomaniac. But this is what happens when you lose elections. Obama was right. Elections have consequences, and that means because this administration doesn't like fossil fuel, and most of their donors are from Silicon Valley and and the electric vehicle and renewable energy crowd. They want your dollars going in their pockets so they can win that political battle in the election process. Now, as far as the UAW is concerned, I, I got to question the the intellect of the people calling for a strike at this time. They're some of the highest paid people in the United States. They've got great benefit package. The economy's in the toilet, so there's not a lot of negotiating room there. And when the economy is this bad and people are hurting, to ask for 40% hike in wages over four years, I don't know a lot of people who are getting 10% raises every year in this economy. No, no. So there's not a lot, not going to be a lot. Once people understand what they're demanding when they're going on this rotating strike, there's not going to be a lot of sympathy there. But when you think about it through, it's not about getting the living wage and the, and the outrageous raises. It's about crippling the industry. The other thing that Biden is targeting right now is our steel business uh, in the heartland of the, of the United States because the champion of those uh, steel workers and those plants, J.D. Vance, senator from Ohio, uh, has said that Biden's green agenda is designed to decimate the steel workers in the, in the heartland, and it apparently is doing just that. Meanwhile, they're negotiating trade packs with countries to be able to import more steel. China. Yeah. So how does, you know, how does that serve the green movement? If you're a green voter, you need to ask yourself that question. It also goes for all of the carbon caps that are being slapped on industries here in the United States. 
If India and China are raising the giant middle finger to the green movement, and they're the biggest carbon producers, mm -hmm. what what does it do here to cripple an economy mm -hmm. and, and a cripple industries to inflict that, that damage over here? Especially when you've got half the scientific community, and I know people who have been brainwashed into the climate scheme mm -hmm. are just outraged when I say this, half the scientific community says, you know what, the data doesn't back up what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And Miami's still above water. It was supposed to be Atlantis in 2012. Mm -hmm. So we've got to think further than what the media is feeding us on this stuff. It's mm -hmm. not about the auto workers. It's not about the, the, the climate with the steel producers. This is about manipulating a mm -hmm. shift in power ideologically. Mm -hmm. All right, hold on a second. We got a caller. Is this Mary in St. Pete? Hello. Uh, I just wanted to say that I heard something this weekend. Uh, you cannot uh, make progress if you're living in deception. Uh, the deception here is that there's people on the earth that want to kill a bunch of other people. And I don't know why that is not talked about a lot. Because if you can get that concept, you can understand a lot of what's going on now uh, in relation to the economy, uh, the food, the climate, and all of that. But with the G20, uh, some scientists are clearing, clearly saying that again, and nobody's talking about that. Why not? Thank you. Well, Frank, I don't know. Why not? I'm not talking about it because I don't know much about it, and I'm, you know, it's not something I would I would be talking about. When you look at the G20, it's just one more group of na It's one more smaller uh, roundtable of power hungry leaders that want the world to go their way. Mm -hmm. You know, when it was created, it may have been a a nice meeting of people from free nations around the world trying to figure out how to push back against the bad people. But that's from your vantage point. Summits are one thing. Wannabe world government bodies are quite another. There should be no mandates coming out of any of these meetings. People are sovereign. And and what Mary's talking about is out of out of deception, this, that, and the other. Again, that's that's objective. But what she's hitting on real hard is that there is a battle on the face of the planet between good and evil. Mm -hmm. it, it's a battle that that we've been fighting for as long as man has existed on the planet. Mm -hmm. It's getting more potent today because of our technology and communications mm -hmm. and our technology as far as how you can kill one another. If we want to break it down to, to a, uh, to a base thing here, it's really not about anything. People wanting to kill other people. It's a battle between good and evil. Okay. Kyle, we got about a minute left. Go for it. Well, I appreciate what you're saying about good and evil, Frank. And, uh, you know, even just when the president was in Vietnam, uh, he seemed to be sending some pretty clear messages to China that obviously wasn't trying to contain China. Uh, I don't think he's trying to upset China. And in uh, not too long ago um, in our country, in our culture, we would be calling out China for many of the terrible things that they're up to. But nowadays, we don't even really try to draw those distinctions, it seems like. They should never have been let into the World Trade Organization because of what they do to their people, like the Uyghurs. Never. When, when you turn a blind eye to slave labor, and that's what this is, 
and you turn your eye to ideological re-education camps, which they have all over that province, if you don't toe the party line, they destroy you. We never should have let them in. It's the people who have an abundance of greed in their souls that said, wow, look at the market China's got. We could sell more stuff to China. It's a billion plus people. Why don't, why don't we get them in the World Trade Organization and the economy will? But you know what? I don't care about, about putting the world economy above human lives in mass like that. We never should have taken a knee to China. Okay, Mr. Frank, here comes the music. We'll be talking to you on Monday morning. Have a great weekend. Stay low, my friend. All right, Frank Silvato. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, leave a comment, and rate it if your platform lets you. Head on over to undergroundusa.com and sign up for our Substack. Comes straight to you, circumventing the censors and the fact-checkers. That in itself is a comedic statement. And be sure to pick up your copy of Nullification, the case for decentralizing the federal government, available over at Amazon. My name is Frank Salvato. You're listening to Underground USA. I'll be right back after this. This podcast is a production of the Compass Point Group.